Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. They tell you what they know. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. Deuce and more. The pocket that you know. Hey, welcome into the Juice and Mo podcast. We've got new champions. The Denver Nuggets have done it, beating the Miami Heat in five games, and the NBA season is over. I'm Juice Mason. That's Morgan Reagan. Hey, Mo. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Bittersweet, you know. It is bittersweet because you want more basketball, and then you go, sure. "Hey, we actually have like." The California Classic coming up in like two weeks, it seems like. Then we're going to be in Vegas for Summer League. You get a little gap off, and the NBA season's here before you know it. Yeah, that and and during that little gap, it feels like a lifetime. Yeah, but um, but yeah, uh, so hey, your Denver Nuggets are your new NBA champs, and just an interesting little series. <laughs> you know, I don't know how else to put it. I'm just so happy. For Michael Malone. And I think everyone in Sacramento, if you're a Kings fan, you just have those feelings toward him because when he was here, he's such a likable guy. And you felt like he shouldn't have got fired. And to see him go to Denver and now be there for eight seasons and know what he's about. He's a player's coach, holds guys accountable. He loves on you, but he's going to be tough on you too. He is, to me, one of the best coaches in the NBA. And to see him... After this game, celebrate with this team. Seeing the Jokic brothers throw him up oh in the air <laughs> like to celebrate. I was, that was number one. What my first thought was, I'm just happy for Michael Malone. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I think um, when you look at just how he connected with Sacramento so fast, mm. I can only imagine his time in Denver and how much that city has grown to love him. And you you just think about the NBA and how ruthless this league, these organizations are when it comes to coaching in the NBA. And it's like, if you're not winning championships, you might be getting fired. And the organizations that get it are the ones that stick with it, are patient, and understand how important development is in any sport. So for them to be this patient and to let this play out, yep, they didn't make any rash, crazy moves. They tweaked some things. They add KCP and Bruce Brown, but they kept the core together. Jamal Murray, everything he's gone through. Jokic winning a couple of MVPs along the way. Porter, multiple back surgeries. I just, I think this team was easy to connect with if you're a basketball fan because I felt like they just played the right way. And it just starts when your best player is... Well, he's the best player in the game. Let's let's be yeah. honest about it. Yeah. Jokic wins the finals MVP. He was awesome here in the clinching game. He took over, especially in that third quarter when Denver just was kind of stuck in the mud. He finishes with 28 points, 16 rebounds, and four assists to get 
that finals MVP. I'm just happy for him too, because even though like most ba rational basketball fans understand how great he is as a player, there does add something obviously to his legacy when you win a championship and he absolutely dominated in the playoffs. And that's, and that's exactly what it is. And, um, there's people who would have doubts about him and his game because of his athleticism, uh, the way that sure. he doesn't move laterally, but can still make an impact on the defensive end. I mean, we were talking about this with a basketball person earlier today, where how there are so many basketball fans that don't see someone as athletic just because they're not quick as hell and aren't moving like the rest of the NBA is. But there's so many different skill sets that someone like Jokic just plays on a different level is just a magical basketball player. And what we've been able to witness with him, um, not only in this season and in, in this postseason, but throughout these last couple of years, I mean, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Looking at this game specifically tonight, and then we'll big picture it. Dude, what a bizarre game. Like Denver cannot hit threes for the majority of the game. 17.9% from three-point land. Who would have thought? Five of 28 from three. And most of those ended up being in the second half where they felt so big just in that comeback. But this game was just, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess from turnovers, oh. super physical. Oh. I mean, these teams were playing so hard, and that's where you give major respect to Miami. They competed for sure. You just knew Denver was the better team. But, dude, what jumped out to you about this clinching game? Well, you talk about those turnovers. And uh, how many did uh, the Nuggets have in the beginning of the game? I want to say it was like 10 at least early on in that first half. Uh, they ended up finishing with 15 turnovers, right? But you we all know how deflating turnovers can be and how that can set the tone of the game. And man, do they not have it? Are they playing a little scared? Are they playing a little nervous? And yeah, at the half Morgan, they had 10 turnovers. Okay. They were one of 15 from three yeah. and three of eight from the line. So you're not making your shot. You're turning the ball over and you're on your home floor. It's like they got all those jitters out in that third quarter when they started really playing defense, screwing with Miami's offense. I mean, Miami too, I think Lisa Salters said it to Jokic within her question. She was like, you know, they didn't just lose it. You guys took it away. Mm -hmm. But it was a combination of both with the way that Miami just wasn't creating on their offensive end anymore in that second half. But either way, just giving lots of love to the Denver Nuggets and the adjustments that they made at the half to just be a much better team was I, great. I also thought, like, I don't know, the way I looked at the half when Denver was down – I'm like, they are not making threes. They're missing free throws. You mentioned the turnovers. They were getting good looks from three. They Dude. were not making anything, but they were destroying them inside. Yep. And I just thought they were still playing hard. They just needed to get a little more control. And I thought that's what happened in the third quarter when they started to really make a push to get back into the game. In that third quarter, it was still a sluggish game they scored 26 points but Jokic I thought set the tone early he got them going he got some good looks he started and going at the basket too and he could not be stopped mm -mm. they had no answer for Jokic they like, were you trying, can't double him they're trying to rip his body apart Morgan that was my one irritating thing watching this game tonight from a Miami <laughs> perspective and we've loved on Miami a lot during the playoffs 
But the amount of baiting that they were trying to do with Jokic, I mean, they were beating the hell out of him. Lowry, who had some great moments in the game to keep Miami in it with the lead at one point, was... Oh, he was hooking guys, hey. hitting guys in the back, flopping everywhere. Doesn't Bam bother was me. doing the same thing. Doesn't bother me in a game like this. Play only the because game. Play the only game. because they they weren't the better team. Like the Nuggets were the better team, and the only way for them to slow down Jokic was to play a different type of game. And that different type of game was um illegal contact. <laughs> you know, I mean that's there, just what it was. It was wild to see. <laughs> Some of the non-calls tonight. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. They were just letting things go. Kind of liked it. Butler was pretty bad tonight. Mm -hmm. He could not get anything going until he had that run in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter where he scores 13 straight points. But one of the worst calls in the history of the game. Ah. Where Butler launches a three. Corner three. A corner three. The only contact I saw was Jimmy Butler kicking Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Gordon in the deck. Yes. Well, someone said that the illegal contact was Aaron Gordon's balls nicked uh, Jimmy Butler's wow. foot, you know what? which is illegal contact. You know what? You know what? Foul stands. Never mind. <laughs> I get it, right? Mark Davis is like, dude, Gordon's got huge balls. They're huge. That, that could have hurt his foot. <laughs> Not going. Uh, Morgan, in no. all seriousness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know mm. how, one, you blow the whistle on that play. Let alone go and review it. The review's taking a little long. And the TV broadcast, Brain, Van Gundy, Jackson, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be overturned. You got to remember, the officials are looking to see whose ball it is, how much time's on the clock. And then Mark Davis comes up to the microphone and say, the call stands. And they're showing the replay. And you can't even cover up for it. I'm watching it going... I still, Bad. I know the Denver Nuggets won the game uh-huh. and that's the headline. I'm still wondering, just can we get some sort of explanation on what was the call? Because yes. there is not a person watching tonight, even fans in Miami. It doesn't matter who your rooting interest was. I think even Spolster was arguing going, hey, why didn't you overturn that at one point? <laughs> it was unbelievable. What was that? And, and even Michael Malone's confidence into reviewing that yeah. right away. Like didn't even need to look like it was by the Denver Nuggets bench was just like, Nope, challenge that. No, no, your guys are going to overturn that And the fact that the call stood <laughs> it, it, it floored everyone. But my only other frustration with that, I go, you know, they're looking at the time. They're looking at this. They're looking at that I, with everyone that's back also helping with the instant replay. Why Why wouldn't it be their job to just look at the time, give them the time, give them, you sure, know what I mean? Sure, but you know what the other thing would be? What? Is if the, the even the officials in New Jersey, yeah. right back where they're communicating, go, hey, <laughs> there, there's no foul here. Like, do not, do not let this stand. I just, if Denver lost tonight, could you imagine? By three points? Or did Jimmy make all three of those? He made all three yeah. of those. Yeah. I mean, just imagine what we'd be talking about. Even though there's so many other plays that happened during a game, that that was one of the worst calls in the history of the NBA. Yeah. It was reminiscent to win late in game six in LA, Kings Lakers 2002, when Kobe hits Bibby oh, in my. the face, right? In the face, he's bleeding, and they call a foul on Mike Bibby, and everyone's like, how 
How was that the case? Because Mike Bibby used his face to make illegal <laughs> contact with yeah. his elbow. But it was really bad. It was really bad. Now I don't I don't want to overshadow what, what happened tonight. I was just shocked by that call. Yeah, and that's totally fair. I think the entire NBA Twitter, entire NBA world was a little stunned by that call. And um glad it wasn't the thing that you know ruined the flow of the Dude. game or anything because you saw after that or during that time the heat went on an 8-0 run, right? And yeah, so well, like, and then Butler had the 13 straight points but in I total. Did, I did also tell you, though, that that rest time that both teams got, they needed that mm -hmm. challenge. They needed that time because both teams were going at it physically, and you could tell everyone was getting a little bit more tired as this one went on. Was it the elevation? You know, was, was it just, just like game five? Just two teams who played really hard and played physical throughout the series. Yeah. And yeah, there's just going to be wear and tear. I'm curious, like Jimmy Butler's game was so weird tonight. It, well, okay. Something that you said while we were watching the game, and I agree with this. You're like, why the hell are you showing up now, Jimmy? Why the hell are you showing up now? And there has been so many games where I have said, hey, he's showing up when it matters most, right? That's all that matters. He's showing up when it matters most and he's getting the job done. There's just games like this, especially when they're um, games you, you win or go home kind of games where he needed to be there for his squad early on, setting that tone, kind of carrying everyone else on his back. Bam did a lot of that job, especially in the beginning of this game. But Jimmy's your guy and you see how this team follows Jimmy, follows his energy going down the line from Duncan Robinson to Gabe Vincent. Um, you know, Lowry actually yeah. was out there playing really well, even when he wasn't scoring, but you needed Jimmy tonight. Second half, Miami scored just 38 points. They were 14 of 47 shooting. That's just under 30%. And they were five of 20 from three point land, as well as Bam played in that first half. He had two points on one of seven in the second half. Damn. So, it, you know what it was too? I felt like he was looking for a foul when he was going up trying to score in the paint. He was like looking for someone to just make contact with him rather than trying to actually finish the bucket. And right there alone, like your your mind, your your mentality changes. I felt like Gabe Vincent was playing a little bit more like that tonight too, trying to look for things, especially in the beginning of the game. I loved when he was getting up in Jamal Murray. It was a foul. It was illegal contact. But um, then he took a screen from Jokic and just kind of flew to the ground. You know, there was just too much of that going on with Miami. I think they were in their own heads of what they were focusing on with this game. Wild numbers to finish. Denver ends up finishing 5 of 28 from 3. 13 of 23 from the free throw line. They missed 10 free throws tonight. They did have 60 of their 94 points in the paint, though. And they out-rebounded Miami 57 wow. to 44. Miami ends up shooting 34% in the game, 9 of 35 from 3. They kind of look like the offense that we saw for large portions of the regular season. And that's where, honestly, you just... I don't think Miami had the firepower. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. But Denver tonight, like, they just battled their asses off. This was just a really, really good team that I think a lot of people overlooked. I'm guilty of it, too, over the regular season, especially with how they finished the regular season. Yeah. And, you know, you, you start thinking about this group. You're like, okay, well, Murray, is his knee all right? Porter's kind of up and down. He's missed some games. 
We know Joker can't do it alone. Well, this postseason run to see what Jamal Murray was able to accomplish as a whole was amazing. And I, I'm so happy for him, especially after that injury, to come back the way he did, to see the emotions from him after the game. Good for Jamal Murray. And, and really quick, too, to give some love to Michael Porter Jr., especially in this game. You're felt, moving on from the Jamal Murray love No, 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 just because you mentioned. You're done with Jamal Murray. Just because okay. you mentioned Sorry, him. Sorry, Jamal. Just because you. Shut the. Just because you mentioned him. The way that he was moving without the basketball to start this game, even when he wasn't making any of his threes, he was great tonight. Finished one for six from three point land. Um, that movement, believing in Jokic, was going to get him, find him the ball. Just incredible movement and incredible rebounding for Michael Porter Jr. Going on back to Jamal Murray, and like you said, the story behind him fighting back and becoming an NBA champ tonight. Um, he was super emotional on the stage and, uh, it's when you go through those traumatic mm. things, uh, especially when it's like your life, um, obviously their livelihood and everything else, but you know, there's so much joy that this game brings to these guys and to be able to have this success at the highest level is like what they dream about. So Jamal Murray being able to reach that, having some of his amazing games that he did have tonight 14 points two for seven from three-point land but his threes that he did hit were in some big big later moments in the second half he also had eight rebounds eight assists denver had some weird turnovers in this game tonight but yeah I, i'm it look you get to the the finals i think there's you get to a point where you go up and down the roster and go i'm happy for this guy and obviously you're happy for someone like jamal murray where he's probably Doubted himself along the way. You know, there was that one point where he wondered if he was going to get traded. And Michael Mullen's like, I'm not trading you, dude. Yeah. We got your back. Like, we believe in you. And he had to miss games this year with some issues. Like, he, it, it wasn't all smooth sailing for mm -hmm. him coming back from this injury. And he ends up playing his best basketball when it matters most in the playoffs. You go to what you were talking about with Michael Porter. Look, in this series alone, there were games where he was not closing, right? Bruce and Brown would be in there. Christian yep. Brown closed yep. the game instead of him, and he had some tough moments. And for him to find ways to impact, like you said, the game with using his size to get to the basket. Do that one where he, he was on the break where he went between his legs, oh got God. by the he defender. He split the, the defenders oh. between the legs, ended up finishing the layup. I think that was on Martin and Robinson, and they, had, they couldn't do anything about it. It was an unbelievable yeah. finish. And then the rebounding was great. I mean, he used his size. And he's a guy that I think can be really frustrating because you see the talent, his size, the shooting ability. But... You're seeing the growth now. Yeah. And in a clinching game to get that double-double, he had a stretch that I felt like he kept him in the game with how he was playing. Absolutely. And and it wasn't necessarily uh, his defense, and obviously it wasn't the way that he was shooting the ball tonight. It was the way that he was crashing the boards. Yeah. That effort alone can can totally get your entire team going. And that's what was happening when they were missing so many shots. And I think another guy that was in there tonight, Aaron Gordon, oh. who only finished with four points, had seven rebounds, but his size alone was just making such an impact. How many steals? He finished with two steals. But Morgan, that play he had when Lowry, who hit some crazy-ass threes tonight, 
tried to pull up for three oh on him, God. and Gordon just swallowed him up. He said no. No, no, no. Just ripped no. that shit away. Yep. Yep. No, it was nasty. He had those moments. And, um, you know, and that's that's what made this game so weird because it didn't feel like anyone played perfect. Like even for no. someone like Jokic in the beginning of that game compared to the second half of that game. Um, well, he picked still up with the double double. He picked up with the, the two quick fouls. Gordon. Yes. O- Gordon only played seven minutes in the first half. Yep. And Murray was in foul trouble. So it was weird. We, we mentioned the missed shots, but the foul trouble impacted them in the first half. And what do you know? They made plays down the stretch. Even when Butler got it going. The key play, I thought Butler had some really bad plays late, including that key turnover where he threw it out. KCP was there to pick it off and take it the other way. And then, I don't know, I was a little confused by the shot he took, the three, when, you know, it's like, take it to the hoop or get a better look. He decides to take a contested three over Aaron Gordon. And then the, the, the next sequence when Denver gets a rebound, and there's like eight seconds left, and I understand in all likelihood Miami was not going to pull off the most epic comeback in NBA history. I was a little surprised they didn't like foul or try I, something. They just went, all right, dribble it out. For the fight that was there yeah. all game long, like literal fight, how they were physically just coming down on guys, it was shocking that it was like, it's over. It's just over. When really they've had some crazier moments in this postseason. Um, one more person down the list, Christian Brown. Just the rookie, and not even for this game. I just think about his impact for this postseason, especially. He finished with seven points, but um, he had that one play there toward the end. I think he got the rebound, and then he was, or maybe it was a pass, and he was going to go up with it, and he got, like, Caleb Martin to go up with the little pump fake, shot fake. It was a cut from the corner when uh, Jokic found him. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. And just some smart plays from him all postseason long. Crazy. And now he's a champ. He's a champ, dude. He's a champ. Oh, we also saw DeAndre Jordan tonight because of the foul issues. He ends up coming in the first half. Crazy. Just a wild ride for the Denver Nuggets to win their first ever NBA championship. Yeah. Super happy for them. Super happy for Michael Malone. Um, One more person on the Miami Heat. Tyler Hero. Were you shocked that he didn't play? I'm not shocked he didn't play. I just think it's a weird that you like activate him and he's in uniform and you go, all right, we're not playing him. But I think it was like a, what is that? A, um, I don't know. A decoy. Like oh, a, like they were just trying to like. Like, oh. I just don't know. Oh, if you that might really, have to worry about a little bit more shooting, oh. I mean, okay. That works for like the first half and you're like, oh, he's not playing. I mean, why do you think coaches are so weird about I don't giving know. out their I don't, starting lineups, you know? Yeah, I thought it was just a weird move to do that for sure. Um, I guess a question for you in the chat, Morgan. What? What do you think this ring does for Jokic at this point? Is this just elevate him? I, I just, I think this postseason run for me just establishes him not only as the best player right now, but he's quickly in the conversation with one of those. I mean, he just had an iconic playoff run yeah. and capped off with his first ever NBA championship. He's won two MVPs. You could have made a case. He could have won this year. He ends up winning the finals MVP. But what do you think getting his first ring means for his career? I, I think what it mostly does is is prove something to the casuals, right? The people that are all about think no, truly, like yeah. think about going into this postseason and I forget which NBA writer it was that said there's no compelling storylines when you're talking about Chris Mannix. Yeah. And oh, man. 
and that's sad. I like Chris Mannix, but he said that there was no compelling storylines when you're talking about the Denver Nuggets, you know, like, and I think a lot of people wanted to keep going on with that narrative. Like they're the boring team who wants to watch them. And it's like, who, basketball fans want to watch great basketball. Basketball fans want to watch great basketball players. We are witnessing and just witnessed one of the best basketball players, unique basketball players of all time play and then win a championship. If that doesn't do it for you with where you put him in um, the greatest of all time conversations, if you just, if, I mean, cause people are so dramatic and always just go, 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 go. Um, then I, I just don't know. I don't understand what you're watching. <laughs> well, and he's just one of the best stories in NBA history because the guy was a second round pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, Hey, this lottery pick, he was a top five guy or he went number one and man, look, at he's turned into an MVP. This was a second round pick. We all know the story now. While his name was being announced in the draft, a Taco Bell commercial was playing on ESPN. Right? I mean, it's just, it's a second round pick. Again, it's Hilarious. not a big story. Cheesy and Gordy to Crunch, Jokic. Look at what he has turned into. And yeah. it's not just like a great individual talent. I just, even watching him after the game, just everyone celebrates differently. But just seeing him was just so funny. The first thing he was doing was just shaking everybody's hand. On the Miami Yeah, Heat. which, dude, celebrate your own way. If you would have jumped on the scores table, I would have loved it too. I'm not saying his way is better than anyone else's. No. But it's just funny. And then his quote after the game um, he says, the job is done. We can go home now. It just didn't seem like he was like, oh, I'm going to go crazy. And he probably is later tonight. But just seeing how he carries himself, what type of teammate he is, how he wants to get everybody involved. Yeah. Like, there are certain talents in this league. Like, you can go, oh, this guy's a great individual talent. But you wouldn't like playing with him. There's not a player in the NBA who would not want to play with Jokic. Yeah, because he'll just make you better. Right. I mean, that is that is the the type of player, the selfless type of human mm -hmm. personality that you want on any sports team that you are a part of. I mean, it's a team sport. And when you have someone truly making you better and can literally do anything on the floor because they are so talented and they are just um, such a unique size and and have these unique skill sets it's uh yeah it's just magic happens i want to pull up his playoff numbers and i don't think this is going to count tonight though you do that so. and i'm gonna focus that camera on your face as, as you get early or closer it gets okay i'll just stay right here relax just bothers me cool uh going into tonight morgan by the way yeah. Jokic in the postseason 30 points a game 13.3 rebounds and just under 10 assists. The guy, 30, 13, and I'm rounding up to say 10. It's crazy. In the NBA playoffs. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I know there has been a knock on his defense throughout his time, and understandable at times, but it's funny to me when people will do the same thing to Steph Curry too and talk about like, oh, his size and um, his defense. This is why he can't be the GOAT, the go. Everyone has to drop the GOAT. And it's like, why are we celebrating <laughs> the crazy greatness and great things that they are doing on the floor? And, and even so, those two players I just mentioned can still – play defense too in this yeah. league. You mean he's not the perfect NBA player? 
Right. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I'd rather celebrate the nitpick to death. I mean, I think Jokic had some great defensive moments, and even what he was, the numbers he put up throughout the postseason run. Let's not lose sight of some of the size he was going up against along the way. I mean, we're talking about Gobert and Cat, right? You're talking about DeAndre Ayton, Anthony Davis, and then Bam Adebayo, who is a pretty good defensive player. Yep. But Jokic still got his, and it looked, even when, like, they played some great defense, you're like, this guy is just better than everybody. He plays physical. He hits tough shots. He could take you out and hit threes. It seemed like he just hit every three possible. Yeah. He rebounds, and he passes. Like, that's great. You, that's what you want out of a guy is you want him to be able to impact the game in many ways and make teammates better. Jokic does that. And so I think it's it's cool that we get to celebrate a guy like him. And he's, you know, one of the guys to like, there's been so many pioneers when it comes to bigs in this league, um, evolving the game, being innovative with where they can take their game. I mean, I think sometimes too, we even Kevin Durant, not necessarily being a big, but with his size, you know, this has become more and more positionless basketball and what these huge human beings are capable of doing has just been so fun to watch and has been such an inspiration to so many people, young people around the world to be like, Oh, well, it doesn't matter that I'm seven feet tall. If I can do that, I can also be an NBA champ. <laughs> I, and I always love the picture of him when he's like a little kid, just like fat. A little chubby fat Little kid. chubby guy. And you're like, this chubby guy, fat. if you would have said, hey, that kid's going to be the best player in the game at one point in time. People are like, yeah, okay, kid sucks. If I saw that kid growing up, even on the basketball floor, that guy sucks. I don't even want him on my team. God. You're so mean. <laughs> Wouldn't you, though? Would you look at him? No. Like, oh. if and he, then if to see him develop, work on his game. Dude, it's just cool. It's cool. There's just great stories all the way around. You just, yeah, it's really cool. If he had a high-releasing <laughs> shot at that age, even if he was a fat little chubby kid, <laughs> I I'd don't be think like, he did. I see something. We got to give some love to the Miami Heat as a whole, by the way. Oh, what what a Cinderella story, as we've all called it all year long. It's not really a Cinderella story. Or not all year long. Not I guess a really just... happy ending for Miami Heat. They lost. A Cinderella story would have been if they completed the mission. No, right? no, no, no. They This is the Cinderella story for the Miami Heat. They are Cinderella, and they got to go to the ball, and they got to escape their little dungeon room or whatever. Okay. The prince came. Okay. But then they just don't end up with the prince. They don't get they don't get the ring. They didn't get married to the mm. prince. But they got out of the dungeon. They did a great job. All right. They're safe. They're good. Okay. So you're still saying it's a it's a happy ending for the Miami Heat. It's not it doesn't mean that it's a happy ending. It was a happy story. Yeah. No, I mean it it was it was a really unbelievable run. Truly. I mean, no one thought they were going to be able to be in this position to be in the NBA Finals, and they got there. There were some fun moments along the way with Jimmy Butler. Bam had some awesome moments. Someone like Gabe Vincent, we talked about a yes. lot. Like, yeah, some cool moments. I loved that guys like Gabe Vincent got more and more, more and more love, and I feel like all that does for people. Obviously, Jokic undrafted. You know, I think sometimes. Yeah. People don't even see it like that. But with someone like Gabe Vincent in his recent years of the grind and getting to where he is, um, I think it, there's something about his story as a role player in this league that not only gives people hope 
in the G League as a player, but I think it gives basketball fans like more of an inside look of what the G League is and what it can be and what <sighs> it can do. And it, we've we've seen the popularity with the G League just grow a little bit each year. And when there's a light shining on a guy like Gabe Vincent, it just gives it even more love and it will take another jump. Yeah, those developmental stories. And I think this is just a win for team basketball. Give it up for team basketball. Hey, th this league has never had so much talent, but we see it with certain teams and it's like, hey, here's ISO mode. There's not that trust. The ball movement isn't there. Denver could have just like kept launching threes, but they 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 attack the basket. They have mid range stuff. Move without the ball. Move without the ball. Miami mm -hmm. move the ball. They play hard. It doesn't matter who's getting the shine or not. Like they're just gonna play. And I don't know. I, I think as basketball fans, you appreciate when those teams are the teams at the end competing for a championship. Even tonight's game, as yes. ugly as it was at times, I don't think anyone was watching it going, "Man, these guys aren't trying tonight." Yeah. It was like. Holy shit, this is an ugly fight. Like, this is a battle, and Miami did everything they could. They just couldn't get it done. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. And the effort was there, like what Deuce didn't like um, that he was talking about earlier, you know, with them trying to bait Jokic or that was annoying. have a little cheap move here and yeah. there. It was like they were trying everything that they could even get away with because they knew that they were desperate backs against the wall, win and go home. Um, they started out pretty strong in this one and the better team just won. And that's, what's fun about it. It's a lot of team basketball was happening on both sides, not some bullshit. ISO. <laughs> um, what is it? What, what, what did the Kings used to always do? Oh, uh, one four flat at the end of games. Yeah. A lot of teams do that. One four flat. Let's give some love to people watching us live. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Make sure if you have not yet hit that thumbs up button, make sure you subscribe to the channel as we are closing in on 12,000 subs. We're, we're very, very close to 10,000 subs. I believe it's 12,000. 12, 12, Sorry, we're 10 away from 12,000 subs. Also, thanks so much to be grateful who donated a super chef two bucks saying nothing boring about this series. Hashtag greatness. Hell yeah. Mr. Thank Turtle you. has been a member now for 12 months saying Deandre Jordan is an NBA champion after 15 years. Yeah. It was, it's cool. Like Deandre Jordan, you got a ring, man. Congrats to Deandre Jordan. Who would have thought he would get one before Blake or CP three. Imagine saying that like I know. a decade ago. And they tried locking him in a yeah. room with a chair and everything and <laughs> trying to keep him away from winning a ring. <laughs> Man. Uh, we got more coming up. We should mention that tonight's podcast presented by East Sack Fitness. Morgan Reagan. Been back in the lab a little bit. Wow, look at you. I put on, not kidding you guys, from January when we took that the radio job for a few months until the end of King season, I gained 15 pounds. I'm around the 12 area. So... <laughs> That's not good. That, and it's harder to get off, you know? So now I've been back in consistently and I've been at ESAC doing the workouts. You should check out their gym at esacfitness.com. Get a membership. You can also call them at 916-599-3181, the official gym of the Deuce and Mo podcast, baby. Yeah. No. No. Also presented by Joey Reagan over at Lion Real Estate. If you're looking for a house in the Sacramento area, there's no one better to hit up than Joey Reagan because he knows this area. He's got a huge passion for this area and he can help you find your dream home. 
Yeah, Joey's great. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, um, he has helped other podcast listeners and obviously so many others around the area. So make sure to hit him up today if you have any questions. Yeah, go to jreagan.golion.com. That's jreagan.golion.com. You can call or text him at 916-412-4592. 916-412-4592. License number 02128070. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right, Morgan, so the NBA Finals, it's done. The season is over. Uh, do you want to give one little shout-out to Mike Brain, who called his 100th NBA Finals game today? Bang! Congratulations. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah, and do you see the plaque he got? It was a photo from yeah. his first NBA Finals game to uh, this one tonight. So congratulations to Mike Breen. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's one of my favorites, and... I don't know. He's been doing it for so long. You're just like, yeah, he's he's meant to call the NBA finals. He's so good. He is so good. And he should be what so many people that are trying to be in this business and want to do play by play. Like, I'm not saying you should try to mirror exactly what he does, but mirror that joy in that that the way that he studies the game and talks about the game. That is what people should want to be like. Something that was on ESPN today. It was very interesting on mm -hmm. Get Up. Uh, Brian Kuster on Get Up this morning. The question was the biggest threat in the West to the Denver Nuggets. Here's what he said today on ESPN Morgan. I think you guys picked the obvious one. I'm going to go with a team you guys probably forgot about. How about the Sacramento Kings? Let's go. Got, the, got the coach of the year, Mike Brown. That they got the most okay. clutch guy in the fourth That's quarter in De'Aaron Fox. Demonis a bonus. Right, look, I want him to work on his mid-range game this summer. But this that is a team on the right. They took them to seven. Golden you State. are tripping, but it's fine. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, you know what we need? You know, swag goes in. Look, we need oven mitts. That's the hottest take <laughs> there you go. today. I'm okay, so that was the panel giving him a lot of crap. Just so you know, the rest of the panel, Alan Hahn picked the Phoenix Suns. Okay. Monica McNutt picked the LA Lakers. Oh. Marcus Spears picked the Phoenix Suns. I, I love these conversations because I'm like, bro, we, the, we're not even to the offseason yet. Okay. I mean, I don't know. How I mean, I don't know different how are these teams going to look? The Suns, who are they getting? Who's, is Chris Paul there? Is he not? Are they trading Chris Paul? And not only that, you just look at, did anyone have in these conversations when they're talking about the Eastern Conference last offseason, the Miami Heat? Right. I mean, just things change that that conversation is hilarious to me and so that's why even when the sacramento kings get brought up too it's just like well it just depends on what changes are made yeah. to make the team better i mean as it stands right now i look at the west and i go oh, yeah, okay and th this is what we're at the, the team who just won the championship the denver nuggets you're going oh, i think denver is gonna <laughs> come out of the west again because you look up and down you go memphis 
Uh, we'll probably learn about the John Morant suspension maybe in the next week oh, or so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to learn that. Maybe going to impact a couple of things. Okay. We don't know what's happening with the Kings yet. What, are they drafting a player? Is Harrison Barnes back? Are they making trades? Okay, but they should be good. The Suns, you got Katie and Booker and... I mean, there was one report that said, hey, if Chris Paul is not there and they don't get Kyrie, they, they could be interested in trading for a point guard like Emmanuel Quickly or maybe Davion Mitchell's name got brought up. And oh. it's like, oh, I mean, that's a kind of a big question mark Huge. to figure out. Uh-huh. Uh, the Clippers? Okay. Clippers, we have questions about. And yeah, I yeah. just mentioned that to you, how we just have questions about, is Kawhi playing yeah. every single season? And I, it's no, not, I feel bad for anyone that goes through health problems sure. within their career. But truly, question mark. The Warriors? That's a little bit of question mark. I, was like, oh, I mean, Bob Meyer's no longer there. They don't even know who the GM is. You know, like, it's it's kind of weird, like, who's sure. running the show? What's going on? Draymond, Clay. Uh, there's a lot of weirdness going on. The Lakers, yeah, they still have questions. I know Lakers made it to the conference finals. There's still question marks surrounding them. Is Le- there was a talk about LeBron at one point. LeBron after the season's like, I don't know, am I coming back? But then there's weirdness going on and there. And then the Kyrie conversations right? about like, oh, would you be willing to come to Dallas with M- me and Luca? Minnesota. Okay. The whole point is go up and down the West. You got question marks everywhere. So honestly. It's not the most ridiculous thing to suggest that maybe the Kings would be that team. The whole point sure. of this exercise was, I don't know. Yes. And we got a long off season ahead. Yes. There's, it's just not a, it's not a conversation. Like it's yeah. not a, um, it, it, maybe if you're just having fun, if you're like, okay, if everything stood the way that it did right now, who would be the toughest team yeah. for the I mean, Denver that's what it is. It's just dumb, you know, and I don't mean dumb. Uh, yeah. Just, hey, kind of Late. whatever conversation. Okay. It's summertime. We got to talk about something. Oh, who'd be the biggest threat? See, that's what sucks when you have a show every single day and then yeah. you're forced to talk about things. You're just filling at that point. Literally. Like, hey, just... we got a fi- we, hey, we got a, we got a topic in the uh, B blog. Let's go. Uh, biggest threat to the Nuggets. All right. Who's it? Someone. Brian says the Kings. That's hot take. Sons, uh, but hey, wait, wait, wait. Is anyone going to mention the Lakers? Monica, you got to bite the bull here. Take the Lake. You got to get LeBron in there a little bit too. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a couple of Kings notes. Jordy Fernandez, we thought maybe he would be going to Toronto, getting that job. That did not go to him. So it sounds like Jordy Fernandez will be back with the Sacramento Kings, which is, I think, good news it's for great, the Kings. Great news. Yeah. I mean, it's just another year of developing under someone who brought so much success to this squad. And you mentioned it while we were watching this game. You're like, oh, he could have been an NBA champ. He could have gotten a ring. Could have gotten a ring. But instead, he's helping the Sacramento Kings try I, and get a ring. As you say, I think he'd rather win one in Sacramento. You know what I mean? Do you? Yeah. Well, because of his role as I'm a coach? I'm just joking. Oh. It's just a joke. Oh, so no, no. This is one of those off-season conversations that we should break down. Why would he rather have a ring with the Sacramento Kings? Uh, and then we find out that Bobby Jackson, who was the head coach of the Stockton Kings, and he's been on the Kings staff before. Uh, he's been with Minnesota, with Rick Adelman's staff. Bobby Jackson getting a new opportunity. He's joining Nick Nurse's staff in, the, in, the, in Philly with the 76ers. It's bittersweet. One... We know Bobby really well. Great guy. I'm so happy for him to get this opportunity. But, like, I don't know. I'm like, this guy's always been a king to me. 
you know, like he played here, had two stints here. I was texting with him yesterday and he's like, I been in Sacramento 23 years of my life. That's Crazy. almost half of his life has been spent in Sacramento. He's had children here, you yeah. know, like, and now his, his kids are older. Yep. Like they're out of school. They're in colleges. Like this is probably the best time for him to take a new job, be in a different city. And he has the talent and the ability to continue to grow and reach the goal of being an NBA head coach if he wants. I think it's a smart move for him to, to get a different experience and maybe get out of that Sacramento bubble a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think sometimes too, when you're in a town for so long, there's people who aren't going to realize your worth totally right and i'm not even saying that's here i just think that's anywhere in yeah. life you know and you can flourish somewhere else especially when an opportunity is given to you and um i think he's going to do that in philly and i'm so happy for him because i not only love him as a person i think as a coach you and i we really got to see his coaching style um especially this last season and He's just a no bullshitter. The way that he loves the game, knows the game, any team will benefit from having Bobby Jackson on their staff. Yeah, he's got that a little bit of Michael Malone in him. Yeah. Right, where the players vibe with him a lot, but sure. dude, he's going to keep it real with you. He's going to be honest, and he's going to hold you accountable. And I thought he did a great job with the Stockton Kings. And then we saw, we were watching NBA draft combine scrimmages, and he's coaching some there. Yeah. I wonder what this means for Bobby. And then he gets a job um, with Nick Nurse. It's a great opportunity for him. I'm happy, but it's bittersweet because I just, you know, I like Bobby. And I'm like, just stay in Sacramento forever. I know. And now, oh, gosh. And I'm so curious what's going to happen um, with the Stockton Kings. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, too, because I, I remember the conversation the last time around when they had an opening Bobby's name was in the mix. Mm -hmm. Of course, he got the job. Lindsey Harding's name was yep. in the mix. And I don't know if that's something that she's striving to do at some point. She's on the Sacramento staff right now. I know at one point, Doug Christie thought about that too. So I don't know. Do they go in-house and elevate someone to get that responsibility? Which is just a different guy grind as a, as a G League coach. Like, oh, God. Whole different grind. It is because... But... It, it's tough, but I think it also can make you a way better coach because yes, you're not the travels completely. You're different. not staying out of four seasons anymore. Mm -mm -mm. You got players coming and going mm -hmm. weird scheduling quirks. Yep. It's just different. The challenges yeah. and the adjustments that you have to make all season long as a G league coach is, um, it's almost, it's something that I wish every coach would have to experience because I do believe it's one of those things that would make them better. It's just like when you talk about this business and you talk about taking all those internships for free and all those jobs for free and doing different things that, I mean, almost no one should be doing at times, but what it does and how it shapes you as a person and um, gets you ready for that position. Yeah, it's true. I'm, yeah, it's, I didn't even really think about what they might do with that position yeah. i did because i'm excited to see who's next and get sorry i was you know bobby just left i was more concerned about bobby but, but leaving, the thing but is fine. the I mean, thing is i'm not i'm not sad because i know bobby's happy yeah. and that's why i'm like happy for bobby in this situation you want to get some people in the chat morgan what's going on with the peeps? uh john nelson in the chat says if i were sabonis i would study what Jokic gives you yeah i mean 
it's easy to say something like that. And I think any player should study the greats, right? Especially Steph when they Curry. play your position. For sure. But Jokic's ability is just so he's just got greater size, one. He's yeah. Just a bigger dude than Sabonis. Sabonis is pretty good feel for the game. I think the biggest thing for Sabonis this offseason and for the Kings to implement more next year is to give him more looks in the mid-range because what happened in the playoffs was like that was a guy who did not want to take the mid-range yep. shot. And I think he's capable of doing it. We saw him last offseason work with lethal shooter on the three. But, like, every offseason you see players, and it, a lot of times it seems like it's guys who don't shoot it well or – don't shoot it often are the guys knocking down threes during the summer and you're seeing it go, Oh man, if you could do it, but then they get to the season, they don't really run stuff for him to hit threes. Yeah. So bonus hit him at a solid rate this year. Just didn't take a lot. And I would like it to be more a part of his game. If Sabonis can just stretch the floor a little bit more consistently come playoff time when they're taking shit away, you're fine yep. because there's, that's the thing with Jokic, right? As a mosquito land on your nose for yeah. a second. Jokic has so many ways. You take one thing away, it doesn't matter because he can do so many things on the floor. And in, in I know you would it's kind of like you're saying, you want them to mirror that game, but that size that he has and that feel, um, I think the trying to maybe educate your game yourself to have a different type of feel for the game could go with maybe the way that you watch film or, you know, just like understanding things a little bit more sure. Um, but that stuff is very hard to mirror, but you're exactly right. The technique, the, uh, getting that outside shot down when someone's running at you, uh, getting that mid-range shot down when you turn around, square up, and see that, oh, I can be a threat from right here because this is an easy-ass shot that yeah. I've been practicing all summer long. Like, it has to just become muscle memory for you because what that does is, like you're saying, it adjusts what the defense is going to do, which allows so many other more, so many other people to move. I mean, why do you think Jokic gets so many assists? It's because he can be out. He can stretch the floor I mean, he doesn't even have to stretch the floor and he can still find the open yeah. man uh, cutting to the basket that's two feet away from him. He's also a great finisher at the rim. Yes. All of the above. All he, the above. He makes some stuff. You're like, God, he's getting knocked. It doesn't. He's got such soft touch. But yeah, I mean, I think any player and I, I'm I am confident that Sabonis is going to and he was awesome. I mean, <laughs> the guy had a great year. He was an all NBA yeah. player. So I I just think there's always ways to take your game to the next level. Absolutely. So. Even if it's even on when Sabonis is in the key, if it's something more like with his hook, he's not flicking his wrist and he's doing more of a push shot. Right. Like I, there's so, there's so much of my life where I just thought like, Oh, when you're going to the rim and you have a floater coming, you want to make sure to flick your wrist, just like you're shooting a shot. And then I saw this, of course, all the, ins the basketball Instagrams I follow with a lot of shooting technique and they're talking more about how and why you want to push that shot up and not completely flick your wrist. And I just thought that feel and that touch, uh, was very interesting. And it was like, yeah, I guess that could make sense, especially if you're going up against all these seven footers who are in the paint and, um, just have a better feel for your shot around the rim. Morgan, do you want to end with a little DMZ? 
Is is there DMZ? I got a couple DMZs for you. Sure. DMZ, it's NBA rumor season because now that the season's over, it's DMZ. Is it? James Harden torn on Philly or Houston. That's the latest NBA buzz, Morgan, that James Harden's conflicted. Does he want to go to Philly, stay in Philly or go to Houston? And then there is also a note that if Houston's unable to get James Harden to return to Houston, that they might peek over and take a look-see at Kyrie Irving. Uh, Mark Stein says other free agents to be that have been linked to the Rockets in recent weeks include Fred Van Vliet, who just declined his option today, Brooklyn's restricted free agent Cam Johnson, Memphis's Dylan Brooks, and the Milwaukee duo of Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. I, also, I have also heard that the Rockets, in the event that they are unable to lure Harden away from Philly and back to Houston, plan to weigh a run at Dallas's Kyrie Irving. The Mavs remain the league's only known team with definite interest in signing Irving next month, but league sources say that the Rockets have been increasingly cited as a team that could, stress, could join the bidding if Harden elects to stay with the Sixers. Tell me you don't know how to develop a young team without telling me you don't know how to develop a young team. Well, again, this is just DMZ. These are just rumors, remember? But <laughs> Ime Udoka, according to rumor season, is uh-huh. he wants a star player there. He wants a star. But why? I But that's that's my thing. Like, why don't you believe in what you're trying to create there? Um, I understand that this league and what a star player can do for a team. I I get all that, but we just, we just watched two teams that have been growing and developing as a team. Right. And they already have special young pieces on this Houston squad. And it's not like you go, Oh, let's just add a Kevin Durant. And then we're a championship team. Like, I don't feel like that does enough for anybody in that situation. you do need, in my opinion, an adult in the room. They, they look like a That's team fine. last year that had too many young guys and... Kyrie's an adult? No structure. Harden's an adult? I no. Think, I think Udoka is going to bring some structure to that team. Fair. I, I just don't think those are the guys. Thank and, you. You know, I, Harden... And we're talking... Again, we're, that's where we're going with, right? We're talking about individual talent. I think Kyrie's a tremendous individual talent. Incredible. Is that the guy you add to this to take it to the next level? Would you win more games with Kyrie? Yeah, you win more games. Would you win more games with Harden? Sure. But, like, big picture-wise, what's it doing for the development of that group? Thank you. I just think there are other ways to build this out than go the route of Kyrie or James Harden. Same. It would make a good headline, maybe. I don't even know if it would make a good headline for them. So... It's not about winning headlines. It's about putting a team together and letting them grow. And I would not go the route of Harden or Kyrie Irving if I were the Houston Rockets. Same. No. Get some vets. Show Jalen Green what there it takes. Go. Develop Shen Goon. Make him a part of the offense. Get the ball moving around. That's what I'm talking about. And be a little patient with it. That's what I'm talking I mean, that's you have. Again, let's go to OKC, a, a, a team that we're going to see take another jump this season. They're not stacked with stars. They're well, stacked. Well, and, but they've no. developed a, someone into a star. I'm glad you brought that up, but I watched this clip of Sam Presti the other day talking about the team building. And he said, look, we have to be careful here because we're getting Chet. 
And we don't want to make assumptions. We want to kind of see this out. We want to see how Chet works and then to figure out what we need for this group to yeah. take it to the next level. Instead of adding it, trying to add, adding some key piece and adding yes. Chet. Let's see what we need. Let's let this grow a little bit. And patience is hard. I think it's even you know, more challenging with the Houston Rockets when you've got an owner like Tillman Fertitta running the show. Barf. I just go, James Harden, I, I, look, he's going to be, what, 34 years old. He's clearly not the same level of talent. He's never been a guy that you go, hey, man, that's a guy that's fun to play with. And I just <laughs> don't know that he's going to teach these young guys mm. what it takes to play the right way. Will it sell more tickets in Houston? Yeah. I mean, I, will he have some epic performances there? Yeah, he'll do his. He'll but have his moments. What, what's it, especially if he wants a $200 million deal. Yep. Why does this make any sense? And then the Kyrie dynamic, I just, for me, as great as he can be as an individual, I just don't know, especially a, a team like the, in the Rockets position, why you'd feel comfortable giving him that type of money. That's to, to be a part of what you're building. Well, and, and, and I mean, we talk about, oh, winning more games, Kyrie would be on your team. Absolutely. On each team, what has his track record been? How many games is he actually yeah. playing? And when he does play, yes, it is magical. It is incredible. We understand he's one of the best ball handlers to ever play in the NBA. But what is your goal? What are you trying to to make your identity. And especially when you have a young team, a young team with talent, it's just, in my opinion, not the right direction. Next up on DMZ, we got some more on Chris Paul's future. This also from Mark Stein. You should check out his sub stack. He puts out some good stuff. He says, Phoenix also hopes to try to trade Chris Paul before that June 28th deadline by which he must be released or else his guaranteed money for next season jumps from $15.8 million to $30.8 million. For trading purposes, Paul would remain a $30.8 million player, meaning the Suns might be able to address some of their depth issues if they could find a trade partner interest in sending them multiple players in exchange for the right to save $15 million in guaranteed salary by releasing Paul two days before free agency. This much seems certain, according to Mark Stein. Paul will have no shortage of suitors if he makes it to free agency, either after a trade or if the Suns are the ones that end up letting the 38-year-old go. The Suns would want Paul to re-sign with them on a veteran minimum deal if they do release him. But Haynes has reported, Chris Haynes reported, that Paul is not interested in a one-year minimum deal. This story's been weird along the way. Chris Haynes initially reported that oh, they, they, they plan on waiving him. They would probably do it over the stretch provisions or they able to split it up and pay him over multiple years so it doesn't impact their cap and allows them to do some stuff. But it sounds like they just want to get him back at a cheaper rate and still find ways to tinker around him. I don't know. The reality is I just don't see a team giving up much of anything to trade for Chris Paul. Even if it saves you money, I don't know if it's that impactful. I think the Suns are in a really tough spot. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? If you were the Houston Rockets and you could get Chris Paul on your squad, though, I would say that would be like, that would seriously be yeah. the right situation. Yeah, maybe you do if you're Houston. You bring him in and like, all right, yes. that's how we do it. Like, Yes. No, because I mean, yeah, I, I I, don't know. There's just such a mess going on with um, some of these older star players in this league and the amount of money that they get paid. And we see teams 
over and over and over again get stuck in these situations. And sometimes you just got to know when it's the right time to cut ties. You got to know when it's the right time to, um, I don't know, have the real conversations. Well, I think the reality, I think Chris Paul can still play. I think if anything, this may end up being better for him at the end of his career. Chris Paul doesn't need to be playing a ton of minutes he anymore. He doesn't. You know, I, I don't even know what his minutes were this season. But he's an older player, and he gets hurt a lot. I mean, that's been the theme of Chris Paul's career. This season, he was playing 32 minutes a night. He played 59 games for the Suns. Before that, 33 minutes, 32. I think we're to the point where you could go... I think Chris Paul could be a backup point guard yeah. on, on a good team. And he knows, obviously, he still can find ways to impact you out there. It's just not going to be, in my opinion, as a starting point guard anymore. Do you think he'd be cool with that? I think he would. I think I think probably he's, I don't know. I know. I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't. But I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, it's, with I'm you, not though. trying to minimize what he has done or what he could do in the NBA still. It's adjusting, just it's not what he is. Adjusting roles is not demoting players, yeah. right? And I think that's what, I mean, people have seen that even with the G League and, and when guys go and try and develop and it's like, oh, they're going to the G League. And it's like, yeah, because they're not playing here. Or they're not getting those minutes that they need on the floor. They need to develop. And I think someone like Chris Paul, it's obviously going to be the narrative that it is a demotion when really just changing up your role yeah. that can benefit a team because this is a team sport is, I mean, it's genius. Also, <laughs> it may allow you, saying you, Chris Paul, yeah. to play and be healthier come playoff time, mm -hmm. you know? Just dealing with the wear and tear. You're 38 years old. You got a lot of mileage on you. Would it be more beneficial for him to just play fewer minutes on a team? But I still think he can be him. And, yeah, if he's a free agent, yes, he, a lot of teams are going to be looking and going, I want to add this guy He to can team. benefit a locker room. He can benefit the team on the floor still, too, in those type of minutes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, they've got an interesting situation. Uh, Strictly Kevin in the chat says James Ham basically said Sasha is confirmed coming to Sacramento. Yeah, I listened to him today on D'Lo and Casey on ESPN 1320, and Ham did say that. Look, I oh, think yeah. that this weird thing with the Sasha conversation, like, his season's not over. I mean, I, I think it's safe to assume the Kings have done everything they can to try to be like, hey, come on over this year. Here, This is what you could do. This is what we could pay you. I, I don't... I, I think, if anything, he's just waiting for a season to end to be like, this is what I'm doing. And he's probably coming to Sacramento. I think there's enough noise about it. His injury the other day where he got helped off the floor, he ends up being fine. He ends up playing the other day. Yeah. He, I guess it was a bone bruise, but he ends up playing 20 minutes yesterday as they are closing their season in the Greek League. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they're probably going to be able to work something out and... He'll be with the Kings. Love it. I and, think. And I mean, I don't know. By the way, I don't have, I, I don't know if a lot of people, I think a lot of people do have this expectation that he's going to be this savior of like the shooting machine from three where I think just lower your expectations to how his game translates. And I, I mean, and I'm sure it's going to be great, but I'm just saying like, I yeah, think I there mean, are people out there who are like, this is the way, this is going to be the thing. This is the piece, the missing piece. And it's like, 
one of the missing pieces, yes. But, you know, like, be excited. But is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, we, we address these things sometimes. And it's, I don't think the majority of people are getting overhyped by Sasha. I think most people are realistic that, like, hey, yeah, he could be a nice player for the team because he's got hmm. size and shooting. Who do you think's hyping him? I've had people DM me and and tweet at me and everything. Like, fans. Yeah, I mean, he's... I, I, be excited because I think he can help the team, but yeah. it doesn't... Yeah, I'm not... The Kings aren't bringing Pages Stoyakovich over, like, yeah. in his prime. That's all. That I mean, I guess yeah. that's all I'm trying to say. And also, James Hamm basically say, like, saying it, it... Look, if it was confirmed, confirmed, if you know, it would be reported by now. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't just you'd report it. It's it's a done deal. So, are you telling him to report it? Oh, if it if it's if that's what you're, it's a done deal. Then put it out there. Uh, write a report story. Report that shit. Report it. I don't think it's completely done yet. Yeah. I think they're waiting for the season to get over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what player is this in the middle of the season going? I'm going to go sign with another team right now. I mean, you know, maybe he wants to be respectful to his teammates. Or maybe he's still deciding. I don't know. But I, I don't think it's a situation where, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's this big deliberation at this point. I think it's probably just waiting for the season to, to end. That's how I look at it. Uh, one other note, this is not really DMZ, but an NBA note that we talked about a lot is uh, Joe Mazzula. And, hey, man, he needs to add to the staff. He adds Charles Lee and Sam Cassell to the staff. So two good moves for the Boston Celtics. I think that kind of got lost in all the conversation about Joe Mazzula and one, his experience level, but him taking over the first day of training camp and then they lost Will Hardy. Ime Odoka gets, they move on from him and oh, Damon Stoudemire moved in the middle of the season to take another college job. Mm-hmm. Oh, and none of these guys are his assistants. They're that's Ime a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. It is. And and to still accomplish what they did in this season, and not only Joe Missoula, but you talk about like Jason Tatum and the rest of the team, um, good for them, but really good for them for adding the right basketball minds, the vets, the people that definitely know this game and Joe Missoula is a young coach who did show this season though that he can be in this position he can be a head coach but having that that structure and a solid coaching staff is so very important in this league a shout to poo poo in my pants on twitch who resubscribed 11 straight months and great season look forward to another one with y'all Appreciate, appreciate that. that. Hey, j- just because the NBA offseason is here, we're not done. We're still doing content. We're still dropping pods. In fact, we actually have a podcast coming out Wednesday with Kenyon Murray, Keegan Murray's dad, Chris Murray's dad. Next week, Chris Murray will be drafted. Oh, crazy. And we talked to him, I think it was almost for an hour. That was, su- it's such a fun it was a good conversation. conversation. I hope you guys fun. enjoy it when it comes out Wednesday. Yeah. Having two kids get to the NBA, talked about their journeys and kind of being an NBA parent and dealing with everything that comes with that. And he's and, such a hooper. Like, mm-hmm. he just knows the game so well and the way that he talks about not only the game, but his son son's games. It's really cool. One, uh, A couple more in the chat, Morgan. I want you to get get your reaction to this. John says, I totally expect the Nuggets and the Kings to be the best two teams next year. 
I think I think it's great. I love that people are are feeling that. Oh, Morgan's already coming off the Kings, right? She no. didn't believe in them last off season. She's going into this off season not buying in all the way. I think they're even going to be better. Woo! I, okay. I absolutely. I mean, how I like could that. you? I how like could it. you not feel that 50 way? Fifty wins this year, huh? Uh-huh. Why do I have to? I see. I don't. I'm not a number person. I don't put numbers on. They won 48 this year. No, I know, but I, I'm not being forced to put a number on. Like, what are we? ESPN and no. that little round table, like a hundred days, million You're right. days. And there's a lot that can happen. One other That's DMC, I guess. Ah, there's some rumor out there that maybe, just maybe, the Pelicans are trying to trade up in the draft to get Scoot Henderson. Interesting. Or very interesting. What would they have to do to get him? Is that moving Brandon Ingram? Could they be moving Zion? Zion's got some stuff going on there. Uh, the, why didn't you bring that up on our DMZ? Uh, I don't want to touch go? it. No. Where do we go no. with the Zion Dude, on social media? You cannot read any of those tweets, so no. We could probably do a two-hour podcast on just that. Morgan, if I you're totally gonna, could. If you're going to come here and hype up Vanderpump rules and That's all the drama. That's I could. That is drama. No, like we should have a whole different podcast just called <laughs> DMZ where we break down all the other drama you, that is going on in the league. Just to be clear, if you're the Blazers, you could not be trying to take on uh, Zion, right? There's no way you... Is, is there a way that a team could trade for Zion? I don't I don't know. I mean, why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they? I don't know how many games has he missed. I don't That's know. What, okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I, mean, I didn't what? know which direction you were yeah. going with. I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, yeah, they fit, they totally could. It would be legal. Um, I mentioned this to you earlier when I was talking about Kawhi Leonard to you too, and it's always so interesting to me how we talk about these star players like Zion, like Kawhi. And, oh, man, the Clippers are going to do this next year. Oh, man, what are they going to do? What are the Pelicans going to do when Zion's healthy? And it's always like the what-if game with some of these players. Again, I feel awful for them and the health problems that they do have um, that is stopping them from playing a game that they love. But at the same time, like as a team, like you have to be smart about it. You have to factor that in when you're talking about these players. The Blazers are just weird, too. I wonder if they're pushing this story. One, I not that it matters, but Brandon Ingram was sitting next to Willie Green at the NBA Finals tonight, and all these rumors are coming out about maybe the Pelicans trying to move up to three, and maybe they do move up to three with Portland, but if they gave up Ingram in that deal, okay, so you're just going to go all in with Dame, Ingram, Ingram and maybe you re-sign Jeremy Grant. Okay, are you, what's that mean for you? Like, what... I don't know. I, I just, some point you just wonder, and as much as I love seeing a player just stick with the same team over and over again, it's like, they just don't want to give up on that at all. And I, I just think because of how much money Dame makes and the team that they have failed to kind of build around him over the last few years, they put themselves in such a tough yes. position to try to improve the team. And I, I don't know. They just feel like they're kind of stuck in the middle it's like, God, this guy is probably the most important player in, in franchise history. He He's a great dude. He's won a lot. He's accomplished a lot. You've got the number three pick in the draft. Okay, you're going to trade Scoot Henderson? It's like, for- a, it's like a blessing and a curse having a star yeah. player that it gets in that, that part of their career where they're aging, but they're getting paid all this money because as an organization, you do not, want to lose 
a star player like that. You know, like you even look at the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry. I don't think they're ever going to lose Steph, but but my point is like you would do anything for these certain players, but they're also getting paid so much. So everything revolves around them instead of thinking about what is best for this team and for our future too, because sometimes you really screw with your future and it's not, again, it's not putting down what Dame can and can't accomplish. Like I don't, sometimes people are like, wow, he's not the go if he can't do it himself team effing sport. I mean, I think the other challenge that we think about when everyone's like trade Dame is how much money he makes. He makes 45 next year, 48 after that, 58 after that. Morgan, Morgan, buckle up. Because in the 26-27 season, Dame Lillard has a player option that would pay him $63.2 million. I'm, uh, I mean, how would you not? take that off you can make that in one year he turns 33 in one he turns year. 33 in july too how do you trade oh him? in july so then oh wow so at that point he's gonna be like 36 uh 37 I, i'd have to look again yeah yeah, yeah. No. yeah 36 37 yeah. years old yeah it's in making 63 million dollars if he picked up that option <laughs> Well, he's going to pick that option. Will be getting picked up in twenty six, twenty seven. Dame Lillard, thirty six, thirty seven years old, will be making sixty three point two million dollars. Can I get? I like just a mill. But but like I I just wonder the challenge of trading him. Like what do you do? You just go whatever. Let's just trade him now. Get off the deal and kind of focus See? on having Dame. Maybe we get some picks out of it. Uh, get rid of Dame. Focus on having Scoot building this thing out. I don't that's know. and that's what I'm saying. Like you're. And he's, then any, he's missed a lot of games too the last couple of years. And any team that goes in for that trade, you're just trying to sell tickets because you're trying to sell tickets so then you can make enough money to pay him $63 million in a couple of years from now. I, could this, I wonder if the Sixers could put a trade together with Tobias's big-ass deal and just try to go in on a... If Harden leaves, you go in on a Dame and Bead. I know there was one rumor today. This is another DMZ. Just being reckless, dropping this out, but that maybe Beal could end up there if the if the Wizards, yeah, if if Washington ends up because they have a new front office, if they end up going, hey, we're gonna kind of blow this up, yeah, get off Beal, send him to Philly, we can get Tobias. Tobias Harris is kind of a big chip because he makes a lot of money and he's got an expiring deal. Okay, makes a lot of money, expiring deal. yeah, I mean, you might have to change some things up in Philly. Um, and if that is, I mean, I, I love Bradley Beal. And I think I think he just hasn't really been in a position to always show off his game to the yeah. fullest with the piece. And not acting like he doesn't, he just has like crap around him. I mean, look what the Wizards were starting to do this last season with KP with Kuz. I mean, I just got a lot of guys that get banged up and he's one of them. Yeah. yeah. And Porzingis had a good year. He's been a guy though over the years that has not been able to stay healthy either, but then showed a lot of, yeah. of potential last season. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a, another fun, interesting NBA season scenes where some of these contracts go. A lot of DMZ situations going down. <laughs> Uh, in the chat, someone asked, what was it like seeing Andrew Santino and Bobby oh. Lee? 
Yeah, we were in San Diego over the weekend, and we went and saw Bad Friends live. Amazing. Bad Friends is a podcast that both of us like a lot because I like to laugh, Love. and those guys are hilarious. It was such a great show. Sometimes you're you go to these shows, and you're like, "Is it going to be good? Is it going to change the way you feel about?" No, so good, amazing. Amazing. And uh, yeah, we got to meet them after the show, which was awesome. I said a joke to Bobby Lee that he cut off because he knew where it was going. And you know, it, uh, you know what it reminded me of, you know, sometimes you feel like you're funny and then you're with a <laughs> comedian. So here's what it is like. It's like, oh, I could play basketball. And then you try to like play against someone that's really good. Uh -huh. And they're like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a different level. So Bobby Lee has told this story about before about I think it was in the early 2000s he was doing a show in Sacramento at Punchline and he like made out with an older lady yeah like he, he was younger this lady was really old and like felt her up whatever he hooked up, up, with, he hooked up with her sure. that's all you gotta say so <laughs> I said going to deep detail yeah like anyway so I go up to Bobby and I go hey Bobby blah 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 I'm just like dude you <laughs> hooked up with you, my grandma do you want to tell the story? You were going to say something else. No, I wasn't. Okay. But uh, you could tell the story. Go ahead. Tell the story. Tell the story. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, now you're not going to tell the story. You're not. Interrupted me three times. Hooked up. So go on. So I go, Bobby, you hooked up with my grandma. And he goes, oh, in Sacramento. I was like, oh. It just. I got my shot blocked. You did. Yeah. It just rejected. At he the like, rim. he just knew. And it was like, he's probably like, I've heard this one before you idiot. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta meet Andrew Santino, which I mean, obviously all of his work, we're just inspired by how talented of a human being he is. And he's capable of mm -hmm. doing so many things. Um, their producer, Carlos, such a great human so much fun just a just a great group of people who put on a great show and what what an experience i mean when you just like love a podcast and then you get to meet the people that put it on it's just really cool it's probably how people feel when they meet me you know like just oh my god legend so icon they have millions of downloads and we have thousands so it's a little Look, bit different morgan these are the moments. So, like, if if you're listening to us and you listen to us, the, you know, five years from now, if uh -huh. you listen to us from the beginning, you're like, man, I remember when. Yeah. There are these this little podcast. There's like ten people watching live, and you're like, wow, they really turned this thing into a huge NBA <laughs> podcast based in Sacramento, and they're Kings fans. You never what know. What a ride! You just gotta keep Can grinding. Can you believe it? Gotta keep grinding. Morgan, you've told me forever I can do anything I put my mind I totally to. So are you in on this or not? Oh, I I totally I'm totally in on it. And I think we can do anything we put our mind to. Um, you know, this this like field of work is always very difficult too, because you just sometimes it takes like the right person to see something. Sometimes it takes um the right piece of content. To, for yeah. people to see something. And, you know, it might, the greatest part about all of this is that I have fun every single time, no matter what. In all seriousness. It's not about, for me, I just want to get to a point where, like, 
I could just do this. Dude, you know what I mean? That's all I want from dude. it. That's like, this is, this is, it, that's how I want. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, I, I love doing it. It's fun. I'd want to still do play by play in color well, in the no NBA. Shit, but like this being primary, we're yeah. doing it all the time. It's like, this is yeah. it. This is like, yeah. that's the ultimate dream. The ulti- I don't care about anything else. Hey, um, and just a little thing. I just want to mention to everyone right now, because I want everybody to watch because I want the ratings to go up. Oh my God. How have we not mentioned this? I, cause I didn't want I just wanted to mention it just so no, the no, ratings- no, 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 no. This is, oh, I hate that we're doing this at the end. Who cares? That's, I nervously didn't want to mention it. Just this say This is it a now. big deal. And I'm going to tell, since you cut off my last story, I'm cutting you off to tell this story. Fair? I don't care. Yes, I already hate this. Morgan just, Reagan. This is a big deal. Just, no, no. This I just is, want the ratings. Stop it. This okay. is a big deal. And I think our fans are going to love hearing about this. You got a call or a text, whatever, before San Diego or in San Diego? I think before San Diego. You got a call about doing sideline reporting on CBS this Saturday for a WNBA game. The Dallas Wings hosting the Seattle Storm. Morgan Reagan on the sidelines working with a uh, really talented play-by-play guy. Uh-huh. Pat Boylan. Yep. And one of the greats of all time. This is, this is insane. Cheryl Swoops. You guys. What? I literally, the producer called and he was like, oh, you're also going to work with the WNBA legend. And I'm like, okay, well, who? Um, and then he was like, Cheryl Swoops. And I was like, I get to meet Cheryl Swoops? And he goes, no, 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 you, you're going to be working with her. I just, I'm dead. I'm dead. That is, that shouldn't be the coolest part, but that is the coolest part for me right now. So you fly to Dallas. Friday. Super early. Oh my God. Super early. Um, so, but Saturday, the game's at 11 AM, just turn it on. You guys, like whether it's to see me, whether it's to support the WNBA, um, I'll be, I'll, I'll make sure I'll post about it too. uh, remind everybody, but you know, those, those moments, so those things I really like, it's like, if they ever like, wow, why were the ratings so high in Sacramento? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine the ratings came out? I was like. Because they list it by market sometimes. It's like, all right, Dallas won. Sacramento, number two. And then the WNBA goes, we got to get the Monarchs back in Sacramento. Oh, my God. The ratings are the reason the Monarchs come back to Sacramento. And the Sacramento region gets a WNBA. And they build a statue of me because it all started with me getting (laughs) (laughs) getting the ratings. I would be a hero. Uh, No, dude, that's Uh, one. A huge... Morgan... You're going to be on CBS? It's, it's stop. It's no, cool. No, it, look, we, we've been able to do some cool stuff, but like... Yeah, come on. Everybody has CBS. We did NBA TV together. I know, Like, but that's so... that Dreams, dreams Morgan, are coming true. CBS. It's, it's a big deal. It's cool because it will be one of my first, like, national broadcasts. So, yeah. Cheryl Swoops. We're all going to be watching. What? Yeah. We're all going to be Make sure you guys are checking it out, though. Um... Like we said, Dallas Wings, Seattle Storm. Um, Seattle Storm, not the same team. Wings, one of the fastest teams in the WNBA, okay. right behind the Las Vegas Aces. So uh, Morgan did a little homework today, so she's dropping some <laughs> <laughs> dropping some insight on you. 
Just in case you want a little preview. Uh, a year of transition for the Seattle Storm as they take on one of the fastest teams in the WNBA, the Dallas Wings. Oh, my God. Super excited. Oh, uh, and you guys rock. Thank you for being willing to boost those ratings with me. Well, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We'll have another podcast dropping Wednesday with Kenyon Murray. We appreciate you guys so, so, so much. But we... Guts to go. You all have a wonderful rest of your night. See you soon. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. The podcast that you know. Deuce and mo. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.